0: Hello and welcome to the Irish Fire Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Houghton. I'm an entrepreneur, investor, and financial independence enthusiast, sharing my financial freedom journey. Stay tuned and welcome aboard. I hope you are keeping safe. The latest update here from Ireland is that Ireland has just started a two-week, pretty much lockdown without using the word lockdown. So I've heard confirmation this morning that the queues are pretty bad to get into supermarkets and we really are in the grip of this thing now. It certainly has been an interesting couple of weeks and you've probably noticed that central bank's response to this is to print more money. And this got me thinking about what actually is money. And I've been looking at this for the last couple of weeks. I've been meaning to cover this topic for about a month now. And I've been doing all sorts of research into actually being able to work out where money came from and what it actually is. And I'm going to post a couple of links in the show notes, a couple of videos that I've watched recently, which really do a great job in talking about the history of money. And there's one video there from Ray Dalio where he really spends 30 minutes explaining exactly how the economy works, and it's brilliant because you can actually see where we're going and how the central bank is going to get us out of the crisis that we're in. And from that video, I can see why Ray Dalio was so good at predicting what was actually going to happen. So I highly recommend spending 30 minutes to watch that. He does a far better job than I could ever do at actually explaining it. I've watched it a few times now just to try and get my head around it. But it's well worth having that understanding because the key part here is, and Ray actually touches on the video, that most policymakers don't even understand what he's actually explaining in the video. If I was going to give you one video in 30 minutes to actually help you get to grip with a lot of what's going on and even just how we think as investors, then that would be my recommendation. But what is money? What is money? We know that money used to be linked to gold, and that changed in 1971 when Nixon took the US dollar off the gold standard. But even before then, and Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad often talks about, oh, what a horrible thing they did taking that off the gold standard. What Robert fails to mention is that even before then, money wasn't actually linked to the gold standard. And that's because we in our society have this thing known as the fractional banking system. That basically means when you borrow money from the bank, right? So let's say when you borrow money for your mortgage, you give up a 10% deposit the bank, believe it or not, gives you that money back as part of your mortgage. And that's their only actual loss. They're allowed to effectively give out money out of thin air when they actually give a mortgage or a loan. Up to 90% of the money that you received is literally produced out of thin air. This is how the fractional banking system works. So when they're actually taking on your mortgage and you're giving that 10% deposit in, they then use that deposit to magically give you. The rest of your mortgage back. That deposit is what actually allows them to use the fractional banking system in the first place. This is why, as savers, we get no money for putting money in the banks. They don't need your saving. It's not a case where they need to match 100% of the savings up with 100% of the money that's given out. They only need 10% of the savings to give out all the loan money that they need. And when it comes to mortgages, you're actually supplying that within the deposit. And look, I don't fully understand the concept. But basically how that works is it allows society to effectively make money out of thin air. That's really the understanding that we need to know. To the point, right, and by the way, this was happening, as I mentioned, this was happening before we got off the gold standard. And in one of the videos that I link on the history of money will explain how this is possible. And it was done through having a credit note tied to the gold, which is effectively is what our paper money is today. So what does this mean? Well, if we actually look at the money... And again, this is, this stat is fairly outdated. It's a few years old now, but it gives the picture. If we look at the actual stats of money in the US economy, 47 trillion of that money is credit, debt, IOUs, the sort of money that's given by the banks and other institutions. 47 trillion versus 3 trillion. That is the physical paper money. All right. So we're talking 6% paper, 94% credit, that ability to make money out of thin air. To best illustrate this, I want us to go back to 2008, and we're probably going to see this again now, by the way, right? So this is kind of preparation for this, but we go back to 2008. We had a credit crisis in 2008, and so suddenly that 47 trillion of credit, creditors were asking for that money back or people were defaulting on it. So we had a situation where that credit shrunk, and that's why we suddenly all felt poor, right? There just wasn't enough money going around. We were used to X amount of money. Suddenly, that was being taken away because the credit was being squeezed, and we just physically had less money floating around. What can the central bank do? Well, according to Ray, there's four things that they can do, right? I'm going to say watch the video to get all four, I'm only going to explain a couple. The first one is that they can lower interest rates. Lower interest rate means that debt that you have suddenly isn't costing you as much, and you're suddenly more credit worthy. But when you're already at 0% interest rates, then that is no longer an option, which is what makes this particular situation with the coronavirus and the economic meltdown a little bit scary because they don't have that option that they did in 2008. So the next option then is to just print more money. And then we get this this fear of, oh, hang on, that's going to bring in inflation and put all prices up. But it's not. It's going to do the opposite, and I'm going to explain why now. When I arrived here in Ireland in 2011, the price of the pint did not move or change until 2016, right? I'm a big believer that the price of a pint or a Big Mac or anything like that is a good way to work out where inflation is at. The price of the pint didn't move for years. Yet, from 2009 up until 2017, the Central Bank of Europe was printing money by the bucket load. Why didn't that impact on inflation in 2011, 12 and so on? In fact, prices went down significantly during that period, right? Because credit was going down faster than they were printing money. So to explain that again, the amount of credit in society was going down faster than the amount of money that was being printed. And if you noticed, it's been the last couple of years where we've really started to see prices rise, right? All services, pints, Big Macs, everything you like has only gone up the last couple of years. Yet the central bank was printing money well before that. Why? Because institutions started giving out more credit. I could jump on some of the banking websites now and borrow 100 grand just like that if I wanted. Whereas in 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, good luck doing that. So it's been the fact that the credit's been given out more freely that has resulted in prices going up. The actual printing of money is only a small part of the whole picture. Very, very important to understand this. What happens when you start printing more money? Well, people start borrowing it to buy assets, to buy more houses, to invest in the share market, to put it in other things like gold and various other asset classes. And so that pushes all those prices up. This is what we saw from the share market for the last 10 years or so. Money's being printed, borrowed at cheap rates and put into the share market. Companies have been borrowing that to buy their own shares back. Thus, we've had overinflated asset prices, a bubble, if you like. And so now we're in a situation where suddenly people have taken on debt and now they've got to pay it back, but there's not enough money in society and people are feeling poor that people are now rushing back for money. They are feeling like they need money. It's a real sense of before I was happy not having money and now I feel like I need it. And this is what we've seen from the share market dropping recently, real panic in the peer to peer lending market at the moment, people trying to get their money out as best they can. And this is what happens when... There's a crisis, and we've seen this over and over again. Ray Dalio, regrettably I'm sure now, only said a few weeks ago, cash is trash. Well, now cash is king. Why? Because cash allows you to buy things now and take care of your immediate needs. All right, and in a crisis, people feel like yeah, there's so much uncertainty and so much unknown, they feel like they're holding on to cash and they need it desperately. Even though, ironically, given that we're on a lockdown, it's very hard to spend cash at the moment. All right, so at the moment, we're actually saving money significantly because we just can't spend it, other than our grocery bill, which seems to be progressively getting higher because the kids have nothing else to do but eat. So a lot of the ideas of this I developed before this crisis happened, and I guess I've had to adjust how I think about a lot of this stuff. The reason that I launched Forestry Crowd and what I was hoping to do was leverage debt, was use debt to make not only the investors money, but myself money because fundamentally, money is that. It is an IOU. It is a debt. It is a promise to pay somebody back and pay a little bit more. And I started looking at various deals, in this case it was forestry deals, and going, right, I know I could make X amount of money if I would take that deal, but I don't have that money, so I'll go out to an investors, borrow the money from investors, pay them a handsome return, make myself money in the process, and everybody wins. On top of that, we're taking away a bad tree, in this case Sicker spruce, and replacing it with a native forest at the end. So the environment wins as well. Right? It was like a, a win-win scenario. That's wonderful when there's money to be given. But since this outbreak has happened, as I mentioned on the last episode, it's been a lot harder for investors to want to actually part with their money, which is completely understandable. I get it. And last week was a very interesting week for me, because I knew that investors weren't going to give me money for these deals. I found some great deals. In fact, the last couple of days. Because of everything that's going on, suddenly there's been some phenomenal deals where potentially in a few years, you could double your money from buying some of these plantations. But nobody wants to give me any money for it, right? So it's hard to get money through investors. I then call the banks. The banks are looking at me like I'm the guy wearing shorts in the middle of winter, right? Because there's me going, look, I've got this great deal. I just need a hundred grand, Mr. Halton. We are currently prioritizing loans of people whose businesses are in trouble. Why are you calling up right now asking us to give you a hundred grand for a project that quite frankly could wait six months? That's what I was told, right? And I've said this before, as an entrepreneur, I am so used to hearing the word no a hundred times a day that when I actually hear yes, I'm more shocked to find that. I'm just constantly faced with rejection. And the last couple of weeks has been exactly that for me in terms of having these great deals and not being able to do anything with it. But at the same time if you go back through the last 49 episodes, right? You can see from a journey point of view the transition from myself going from passive investor to active investor. And what's happened recently with the share market with the peer to peer industry market, you know, all sorts of asset classes which now are a little bit scary because there's so much uncertainty around that being an active investor. For me, is the only way to guarantee against that. I've talked about this a few episodes back when I lost a significant amount of money trading gold. That was my own fault. I had nobody to blame but myself. And I learned so much from that. When the share market drops, I don't learn anything. I learn to be tough and hang on in there and don't sell. But I don't actually learn anything. Whereas if I could take my own money and use that to find deals that make me more money and borrow money where needed to actually leverage that and also allow me to take the deals on, then that's far more exciting. And I'm going to learn a lot more from that. So again, this isn't about promoting Forestry Crowd. Forestry Crowd is one way for me to do that. But there's lots of other potentials out there. And there's lots of other potentials out there for you as well. Right. So start thinking about, and this isn't for now, because nobody's going to be giving money away at the moment. And as I said, don't bother trying to call the banks up because they're only going to give you that kind of Mr. Houghton. You know, who do you think you are? Attitude. But now is the time to start preparing. Now is the time to start looking at potential deals and how you could actually utilize this and put your investor slash entrepreneur hat on and see what you can come up with when you actually stop looking at the world as let's go and trade time for money. Because remember, this is what this is all about for me. This year is all about me eliminating selling my time for money. All right, That is the goal for this year. And look, it's going to be a tough year. We know that right? Of all the, the years in the last decade, I couldn't have thrown the dart at a tougher year to start this. But as they say, the best time to plant a forest was 20 years ago. If not, then start one today. As always, if you have any questions on this episode, reach out to me at michael@firepodcast.ie Otherwise, I look forward to catching you on the next episode. Stay safe, everybody. If you're a big fan of the show, Why not become an Irish Fire Podcast member for free? Members receive access to inside information that isn't shared on the podcast, as well as regular updates such as a monthly newsletter. To become a member, visit www.firepodcast.ie.